In an eye-opening study, which I always love, eye-opening, because your eyes were closed, then you see the study and you're like, what? My eyes are open. In an eye-opening study that was uh, organized by the Barna Group, they're a research group, uh, they asked people, like your friends and like your neighbors, what they value in a person with whom they would feel comfortable talking about spiritual matters. And these are the three things they came up with. What do you think? What do you value in a person with whom you would talk about spiritual matters? And these were the, uh, these were the top three uh, qualities in order. Number one, listen without judgment. Number two, allow them to draw their own conclusions. And number three was confidence in sharing your own perspective. Number one, what does that mean? Listen without judgment. What people in our lives are craving for, people in your life, what they are craving for is someone who will lean in and just listen. They want someone who will assume the best. They want, they desire to have another person who is willing to absorb their questions and to absorb their stories. Not so that you can come to a verdict not so that you can judge them harshly, but so that they can process their feelings and experiences in relationship with somebody else. Look at number two. It says, allow them to draw their own conclusions. Here's some fun facts about the people you know and love. Your friends and your family, the people in your life, they are not projects. They're people. And they're looking for someone not to force the conclusion on them, but someone who will trust them as they make their way through their own spiritual journey. Think about you. You don't want someone to force the conclusion. You want to be manipulated into a situation. I think of all the times that I have attempted to share my faith, and I know none of you have ever struggled with this, but all the times that I've tried or attempted to share my faith, I think my heart was in a good place, but my strategies were awful. I, I knew the outcome I wanted. I knew what I wanted them to do. I wanted them to say yes to Jesus. Or if I wasn't even talking to them about Jesus, I wanted them to say yes for my best idea for their life. And I had a good intention, but I had a bad tactic. And I believe that this is a specific area where, where both God and our friends, they want us to get out of the way. They don't want us to be involved. And if the gospel is true, if what Jesus did is true, if he came back to life, if he is God, if that is all true, and someone is sincerely seeking and searching for that truth, it will prove itself. And we need to trust that God's going to do his part and trust those around us to journey just like you did. And you made your way through that journey. Our friends want us to love and listen and interact with them. But God, I think, I think that he has the power to draw people in. And, that, and that's what this survey revealed. Uh, the third thing, confidence in sharing your own perspective. Now listen, after you've listened as a friend, uh, once you've given them space to process what they're thinking about faith, it's then and only then that we find that people are interested in hearing our story. But they want to hear your stories and your experiences, uh, but they also want to know that it's real and that it's genuine and that you're not just making stuff up, but that you're speaking out of the experience that you have had with God. 
I find this to be true that some people get lost when they're trying to talk about God because they actually don't know the theology of what they're talking about. They don't understand it, but they do have an experience with God that they can share with others. And so what I call this is what they call this in the survey is earning the right to be heard, that you've earned the right to be heard. And as people ask you questions, you can share what God has meant in your life. And you can allow them to kind of figure that out. So now I want to pause here. Those are the, that's what the Barna study found in the eye-opening study that Barna and his team did. That's what they found. Now these three things that people look for in others, if they want to discuss spiritual matters, what does that sound like to you? Those three qualities. What do you get? What do you think? That's right. <laughs> it, it sounds like a friend. Like, look at those three qualities. <laughs> it sounds like a friend. Okay, allow people to draw their own conclusions, listening without judgment. You know, <laughs> I did the joke on purpose. Confidence in sharing your own perspective. This is what friends do. This is what amigos do. This is what compadres do, okay? This is what friends do. And it's not just any kind of friend. This is the kind of friends that people in this city are looking for. And these are the kind, frankly, these are the kinds of friends that you're looking for. People that will listen to you without judging. If you wanted that, you'd go talk to your mom. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe you have a great mom. But maybe some of you, I don't know. I like my mom. Mom, if you're listening to this, she's not. <laughs> mom, do you listen to my podcast? Nope. I can say this. We're still small. Uh, when we grow, I have to be careful. Uh, uh, I'm asking you to listen to me right now without judgment. Number one. <laughs> the biggest people, the, the biggest people, the appropriate sized people. <laughs> yeah, the plan. <laughs> I like it. I like where this is going. This is where we need to go every week. And there's, by the way, there's two kinds of people that love to play and interact. And then there's a bunch of other people that you, could, you should see their eyes from up here. They're like, get going. <laughs> You need to wrap this up. So, um, you know, um, uh, but that, that, that really comes from the fact that whenever we're at some place, we want to be somewhere else. Uh, but that's not my talk. Okay, so anyway, the biggest things people in your life are looking for, they're looking for friends. And they're looking for good friends. They're looking for people who will be there for them. And, uh, and so how does this intersect with faith? Well, what we see in the life of Jesus, and if you're a Jesus follower, this message is for you. If you're here and you're just trying to think about Jesus or discover Jesus, you don't know what you think about Jesus, this is a good time for you and me, the person that doesn't believe in Jesus, you and me, to gang up on the people that call themselves Christians. You can sit here and you can cheer me on during this message because uh, this is what Christians should be doing, okay? So, but what... What we follow, what we follow, what Jesus believers or followers do, this is the rhythm that Jesus invites us to follow. And it's a simple rhythm. It's a simple rhythm. Uh, and that rhythm is friendship and blessing. When we, look at, um, when we look at what Jesus does, he begins with friendship and he blesses people in his, in his life, the people that come across his path. You know, um, I don't know if you've experienced this in the, uh, 
what Charles Taylor, the philosopher, would call secular three city living, uh, where it's very secular, it's not very like Christian type city we live in. I find, uh, including the people at the school district and the people at the school here and other people that live in the neighborhood, they, or other, maybe been to other churches where they go, what do they actually teach at your church? What do they do? What do they make you believe? What are they trying to talk you into? And what you need to be able to say back to them is this is that we follow Jesus and we follow the rhythm of Jesus and we try to model this in our everyday life and that is friendship and blessing. Like I could actually say this with full integrity as a church that if there was someone here that was very suspicious and thinking about writing an article about us, no one comes here to write articles about us, but like if they did, if they did, I wouldn't take their interview. That's my rule. And, uh, and if they're like, what do they teach? What they would get today is very simply that Jesus invites us to build friendships, the kind I just described with, about what friendship is, and blessing. We build friendship and blessing. And this is what Jesus did, and this is what Jesus invites us into. Jesus befriended people, and he blessed people. Now, the antithesis of this is, if we don't get this right, if you and I don't get this right, if we don't learn to befriend people, to be a genuine friend of people, if we don't bless people, then you will be a bad friend. <laughs> you could be, or you could be a, what, what's worse would be a mediocre friend. The kind of friend that is found everywhere in this city. But Jesus has given us the tools to learn how to be good friends to the city and people in our lives and to learn how to bless. And I'm going to talk with you about that today. And we see this example in Luke chapter 5, which is uh, one of the gospels. And Jesus talks about this um, uh, where Jesus, there's this interaction with Jesus, and here's how it goes. I'm going to read it to you right now, so follow along on the screen with me. In Luke chapter 5, and starting in verse 1, it says this, One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little to shore, from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Should we, should we try that sometime? Should I teach from a boat up here? Okay, cool. Do we have any craftsmen that want to build a boat? We don't? Okay, I'll just keep going. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let the, down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that the nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, and the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. And Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. In this example, you see first, it's unclear if there was friendship first, but there was certainly friendship at some point. And what we see is we see friendship and blessing in his relationship with Peter. In this case, he got the blessing before the friendship. So it seems like, you know, like you're catching fish, you're a fisher person. 
uh, and uh, Simon is a fisherman. He hasn't done well all night. And Jesus goes, why don't you put it on this side of the thing, which seems like inconsequential, but it ends up almost sinking both boats. He was, the blessing was so big. And this is what Jesus does. He blesses, he blesses Simon. He blesses Andrew. He blesses that whole team. And then he develops a friendship with them. He invites them in. He makes them a part of his 12 disciples. He, like I said, he invests, he gives time and energy. He walks with them. And if you know anything about the disciples, discipleship is caught more than it's taught. So they caught it by journeying with him over the next three years. And then he would teach them and they would kind of understand it. And then they wouldn't totally understand it. And then he'd go back. But he, over the time, he was showing them and building into them with friendship. And it's that simple. It's really that simple for us. That's how we've grown with Jesus. And the people you admire uh, who walk in faith, these are the kinds of people you admire the most. It's that simple for you and for me. The people around you are looking for you to be a friend. They're not looking for you to have all the answers. And I've talked with some of you. Some of you really don't have the answers. But Jesus has the answers. So in that process, what we want to be is admit our humility, which is, I have to admit too, I don't have all the answers. I don't understand everything going on, but I can be a friend. Do you know the older I get, the more complex the questions seem to come my way? Has that been true for you? Has, or is it just getting easier and easier? It's not. I know the answer. It's not because the older we get, the more gray we see. Not only in our own hair and in our own lives, but the more gray we see in the world. And it's sometimes we don't need definitive people in our lives. What we need are people that will come alongside us and listen and help process this with us. They're looking for people that will not just tell them the good news, which we believe we have. We believe we have good news. We believe that there is truth found in the person of Jesus. But we want, we, people around you want someone who will live the good news, that will be the good news, that will bless them and share from their own perspective. And everywhere Jesus went, he befriended and he blessed. He, every person he encountered, we see in the Bible, that's what he did. Like we have this example with the fishermen, Peter and Andrew. Like he just like decided to make them wealthy one day. He go, here you go. Here's enough fish to pay off your debts and do all the things. And now you can just come follow me. Your family's taken care of. Do you, do you see how that, they caught so much fish they made, and they sold all that fish that they're probably, that probably funded their ministry for the next three years? I'm not sure about that. I'm just inferring that. But I think that that's something that happened. They just didn't throw the fish away. They cashed in on that. And that, that probably helped fund their ministry for the next three years. Look at the life of Zacchaeus. Does anyone know Zacchaeus? He was a wee little man. And, um, and, um, and basically, uh, Zacchaeus was a tax collector, which means everybody hated him. Because what he would do is he knew the ins and outs of the Jewish culture, and he would go collect more taxes than he was supposed to and keep a portion for himself. And because of that, he had become extremely wealthy, cheating his own people. The Romans despised him because they knew he was a cheater. And the Jewish people, the people, the kind of person he was, despised him because he was cheating them. So everybody hated him, but he was really wealthy. So he had all the money, and he had all the cars, and all the gold jewelry, and by cars, I mean horses or donkeys, I don't know. And then, so he has everything, and he is totally alone and totally miserable, and what does Jesus do? 
Well, it turns out Zacchaeus was so small that he had to climb a tree to see Jesus because the crowds were pressing in him. Do you know this story? The crowds were so big trying to see Jesus. And he's like, I can't see. I'm a little guy. And so what he does, is he climbs a tree. And uh, Jesus, when he comes in town, he passes by everyone. He goes right to Zacchaeus. He goes, Zacchaeus, come down from there. I'm going to eat at your house today. Which in ancient Middle Eastern culture, this was a really big deal. Hospitality is a really big deal. It was a massive honor for the rabbi to come to your house. And no rabbis and no uh, religious people at that time would ever go to Zacchaeus' house because he was a traitor. And Jesus goes, I'm going to be your friend today. He goes and eats at his house. And guess who walks away changed? Zacchaeus. He walks away completely changed because of his friendship. And in that moment, there was no miracle done, right? With the story with the disciples at the beach with the, with the fish and all the things and the sale of the fish, that was like a bona fide miracle, right? But here, Jesus spent time with him. He befriended him and blessed him with his time. And Zacchaeus goes, listen, I've cheated people. I'm going to give back uh, all the money and then a percentage over it. And I'm never going to do that again. His life was completely changed because of the blessing and the friendship of Jesus in his life. It got so crazy and out of hand that like uh, they would be bringing kids to hang out with Jesus and to bless them. Have you ever been around kids? They're kind of weird and gross. But like, I like my kid. I might not like your kid. No, I'm just kidding. I like all kids. But what I'm saying is that they would bring these kids, they would press in on him, and he would bless them. Why? Because he was building friendships, building connections, and building, um, and just building into these children. So he would bring them, they would bring them, and he would bless them. So here's my confession. And here's where I got it wrong. When I look back on my history as a Christian, I mean, I've complicated it. I've manipulated it. I've made things relationally awkward when all somebody wanted me to do was to like listen to them and to bless them as I built friendship with them. I've tried to make things happen on behalf of God. Do you know how frustrating that is? Have you ever tried to make somebody do anything? You can't actually do it. You can't make people, and some of you have older children or you have children, uh, some of you have friends or parents that frustrate you. You can't make them do anything. And I've tried to do things or make people do things that only God could do. And when I look at the life of Jesus, I don't see that. I see a rhythm, a rhythm of friendship and a rhythm of blessing. So, what do we do about this? Well, Los Angeles has a few problems. You know, um, it's relationally shallow and it's relationally complex, both at the same time. And sometimes um, the city can influence us uh, to become uh, the kind of friend that is really not there for their friends, uh, that really doesn't befriend and bless the city. And I don't want to speak for you personally, but sometimes we pick up bad relational habits from the context in which we live. And I know some of you have experienced that. You've experienced friends that have betrayed you or flaked out on you or just weren't there for you, or were very, just very demanding and uh, kind of like judgmental in the way they interacted with you. And we've got to be different. And when you, look at, when you look at what could be a good friend in Los Angeles, something that would be different than what you've experienced, I think there's just two things that are, two qualities that are necessary prerequisites 
for being a good friend. And it's similar to actually uh, the characteristics necessary for leadership. Uh, you'll find how similar these things are when we look at the scriptures. But two characteristics that I think are really important to be a really good friend in Los, An Los Angeles are passion and integrity. What is passion? Like, you got to have passion to do the thing, to be the friend. Like, you got to be able to have that internal start button that gets up in the morning and says, I'm going to be your friend. I'm deciding to be this person's friend. I'm going to commit to being this person's friend, or I'm going to be in relationship with them. No one can make you passionate about something. I, can't, I can inspire you. You can go to, like, conferences, and they can inspire you for the weekend, but they can't make you passionate long-term. That comes from inside. You just have to decide kind of passion and uh, you want to have for a friendship. Passion is one thing. And the second thing that you need for healthy friendships in Los Angeles is integrity. Passion and integrity. Everything else we can teach you. Everything else you can learn from somebody else. But you can't teach, you can't make someone have passion. And integrity is something that you can't force on anyone either. Integrity comes from within. And integrity is different because integrity is revealed in the difficult times. But what is integrity? How do we define integrity? A lot of people have a lot of different definitions. At this church, we define integrity as doing what you say you're going to do, when you say you're going to do it, and then doing it in the manner that it's supposed to be done. Doing what you say you're going to do, when you say you're going to do it, and doing it in the manner that it's supposed to be done. We get this definition of integrity from Jesus, that he always did what he said he was going to do. He did it in the manner it was supposed to be done. He did it in a way that drew people in and people could count on him. And they viewed it as friendship. Now, when you think of all the relational difficulties and problems that this city has, the betrayal, the flakiness, the weirdness, the manipulation, the I can't trust your motives kind of friend, these two things, these two qualities, should you pursue them, can help you be good friends to the people in your life. Passion and integrity. Imagine if everyone just in this room would do what they said they were going to do when they said they were going to do it and doing it in the manner it was supposed to be done. How much would that transform your friendships? Now, I'm assuming you do those three things in integrity anyway, but if you're not, today is the day to start. Try to make decisions based on integrity. Try to build your relationships with integrity. And as you do this, what you'll find is, is that people will gravitate and respond to your, your life because they know they can trust you. So those are, the, those are some of the characteristics that are good. And uh, just before we head out, I want to talk about this very briefly. How do you actually be a good friend? If those are characteristics that you need to pursue, how do you actually be a good friend? Well, Jesus gives us five things. I'll talk about them very briefly. Five tools. I don't think there's a slide. Oh, I do have a slide. There you go. Um, and the first one is this. Begin with prayer. If you want to be a good friend, how to be a good friend, begin with prayer. When Jesus entered his earthly mission, in Luke 6, it tells us that he went out into the mountain to pray. And he went out and he prayed alone and he did this a lot. And if you want to discover your mission, and if you are uh, wanting to live out your mission, prayer is the way to go. And over and over again, we see that Jesus went to pray. And if you're not sure what your mission should be or who God is calling you to bless or where God is calling you to go, you can always begin with prayer. But also, if you have people in your life that you want to bless, 
begin with prayer anyway. Start with, God, will you bless these people in my life? Or you can ask a different question, which involves listening prayer, which is, God, how would you like me to bless these people in my life? So number one, begin with prayer. Second way to be a good friend, listen. Ask questions and listening. This was central to Jesus' ministry. Consider the blind man in Luke 18. When he goes to the blind man, this is really interesting. He asks, what do you want me to do for you? He doesn't assume that the blind man wants to be healed. He asks, what do you want me to do for you? And did you know in the Gospels that Jesus asked more questions than he answered? Of the 183 different questions he received, Jesus answered only a handful of them. Did you realize that? And true listening, true listening and kind listening and empathetic, active listening, not on your phone listening, active listening is one of the best gifts that you can give to people. A third way to be a good friend is to eat with other people, not by yourself, just in the middle of the night with Oreos. I'm being a good friend. No. All right, what we see in the scriptures is that Jesus liked to eat over and over again. Look at Matthew chapter 9, if you have time. We find that Jesus is eating with tax collectors and sinners. Sinners. And what's he doing with them? He's eating with them. Because there's something about breaking bread with people that moves any relationship past acquaintances towards friendship. It's pretty much faster than anything else we can do. So one of the ways you can apply this is once a week say, hey, I'm going to eat with someone. Spend, um, spend time eating with someone that's maybe outside of your house. I know it'll take time and sacrifice, but eat with someone once a week. And if you do this, you'll be in a rhythm of being a good friend. Uh, another way to do this is to serve. Jesus told us straight up, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. He modeled for us that once you start with prayer and listening and eating, you serve the people around you. And I, I found that this really does forge friendships in a powerful way too. How many of you have ever done difficult work with people only to come out the other side better friends with them? Uh, that, so there's something about serving alongside people. And just a great plug is one of the ways you can serve people is to join our dream team. And we'll be having a meeting afterwards if you would like to come. But serving alongside somebody can actually help you to grow your friendship with them, but also serving them, which is figuring out how can I help them? How can I bless them in such a way that it doesn't necessarily bless me? You serve people. And then the last thing you can do to be a friend is when you're doing the right things, when you're earning the right to be heard, that is to share your story. When people were ready to listen, when he'd blessed them, when he had built friendship, they'd be like, Jesus, what are you here for? Then he would tell his story. He would explain why he had come. You know, like when doubting Thomas, Thomas was one of his disciples. He came to him and he says, how can we know the way? And Jesus answered at that time, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. What I need you to see in that is that Jesus had already spent time befriending and blessing and befriending and blessing and befriending and blessing Thomas. And then Thomas comes to him. You see, the movement is moving towards Jesus at that moment, right? Jesus isn't chasing down. Hey, like, hey, hold on, turn around. Hey, I'm the way, the truth, and life. Okay, go back to it. He, was, he had already done the blessing and the befriending. And then Thomas goes, what is the way? 
tell us what is the true way. And Jesus goes, I'm glad you are coming to me. I will tell you now. I am the way, the truth, and life. You see the reverse flow? We don't need to chase people down and be like, ha, Jesus. Gotcha. See you at 10 a.m. Join the Next Steps team. You don't need to do that. We don't want to do that. That's not what Jesus did, so we should feel free to not have to do that either. I know some of you grew up in evangelical circles from which you are recovering. And there was this impetus and desire to share your faith with others. I think that's a good instinct. But I think we can mold that and change that a little bit and begin with blessing and befriending. And as we do that, people will move towards us. Listen, I've got, I've got like a half a dozen people moving towards me that don't know Jesus. Why? Because I'm just befriending and blessing. And I'm getting out of the way to let God do that work in his timing. And some of it revolves around sports betting. <laughs> and... Um, we both, uh, one guy, we, uh, I definitely know he doesn't listen to this, uh, but like one guy, he goes, if the Ohio State Buckeyes win by this many, I will give my life to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. <laughs> it was such a high number. I'm like, Lord, today's the day. <laughs> but, but what's going on there? What's going on there? First of all, I'm gambling. I mean, we're not really gambling. We're just looking at the spreads. And we're like, wow, that's a big spread. And, uh, whew, so, you know, Prop 27. So I... We're looking at this, this is incredible. Uh, and we're, we, it's out of friendship and befriending and we're hanging out, we're spending time together. I'm investing in him and his soon-to-be fiance and Nikki's become friends with them. And from that, there's movement. The guy's an atheist. The guy doesn't care about Jesus. In fact, if you heard me say this, he'd be like, yeah, he's befriending and blessing me. He, and I, you know, I think, he, you know, Chris might be trying to save my soul, but it's hard to nail him down. Why? Because I'm waiting. I'm just allowing God to use me to befriend and bless him. Listen, I got a half a dozen people like this in my life, and I think you might too. And we're not here to chase people down, ignore the evangelical pressure and duty that sometimes you feel as a follower of Jesus and begin with, uh, begin with friendship and build on it with blessing, and let's see where that takes us.